orgasmic enlightenment where the sexual and spiritual come together. I'm Kimanami, and I'm a holistic sex and relationship coach and a vaginal weightlifter. In this show, we explore all things intimate. I believe that our sexual energy is life force, creative energy, and we can use it to shape our worlds, strengthen our relationships, and self-actualize. I blend the most avant-garde information from neuroscience, ancient sexual practices like Tantra and Taoism, to renegade wellness modalities to show you how to create gourmet sex in your lives. Come one, come all. Well fucked singles. I have had some of my most well fucked periods of my life when I have been single and without a partner. Yes, you can still be epically well fucked even without a lover. A jade egg and a dildo or two or three are great companions or just your hands. My definition of a well-fucked person is someone who is owning, inhabiting, wearing, and consciously channeling their sexual energy. They are in touch with it and they are able to use it as a power and a pleasure source. And you don't need a partner to do this. In fact, one of the most powerful things you can do to attract a high quality partner is to go fuck yourself. Yes, having gourmet sex with yourself raises your vibration and opens you up to the gifts of the universe, including the gifts of high quality cock and pussy and brings you into the flow of life. So in this episode, I'm going to speak more about well-fucked female singles, and I'll address well-fucked male singles in a future episode. So the last major single period I had, I actually took a two and a half year break of sex. And I talk about this in my podcast, Attracting a Partner. So I was celibate for two and a half years. And yes, I had plenty of sex with myself, but not with other people. I had come out of a very intense breakup and there was a lot to process. And I decided that before I got involved with anyone new, I wanted to up-level my life, so I felt that I could match them and receive them in every possible way. And so the way that I looked at that is if there are areas in your life where you feel a little bit embarrassed or you don't really want to have someone see these parts of you or your existence, then it's really hard to bring somebody in and wholeheartedly meet them because you are not allowing yourself to be met. You know, there's places you're trying to hide. And so when you feel amazing about every part of your life and you don't have to be perfect. I'm not saying that, but I'm talking about a certain level where you just feel uneasy, right? That we want to get past that to a place of acceptance and even pride in who you are. So there were a couple of areas in my life where I felt I wanted to improve and feel better about before letting somebody in. And so I committed to doing that. I threw myself into my visions and goals for what I wanted. And I focused solely on that, on the up level. And I didn't officially declare celibacy, but these other priorities of mine were at the forefront of my mind and nothing else. And when they were achieved, I just felt that I would know. So it was during this time that I came up with my legendary sequence, Meditate, Masturbate, Create. And this is the formula I use to harvest my sexual energy and use it as a creative source in my life. When I need inspiration, I don't drink coffee. I'll just shove coffee up my ass. Uh, I go and I have an orgasm or three or six, and then I go back to work. I have a great YouTube video that walks you through this sequence, and I'll just explain it here in short. It's exactly as it sounds. I spend five to 10 minutes in meditation, and I personally like to meditate using a mantra, and the one probably my favorite is the word hue. H-U, it sounds like you. This is an ancient name for God, spirit, energy, the universe, whatever you want to call it. And it's found in cultures and writings all over the world from Africa to Celtic material. And even in Rumi's poetry, he talks about hue as the word of God. 
And then I self-pleasure. I spend time with my clitoris and then I usually advance onto one of my Anomi Alchemia Couture dildos like Akasha or Anahata. The first one helps with the G-spot and the second one with the cervix because I'm all about those vaginal orgasms. And all throughout, I breathe deeply so that I'm harvesting and recirculating my sexual energy, right? I always say your sexual energy is your life force energy. And so we can either have a sexual experience that depletes it and just unconsciously ejects it out of us, or we can take that energy and bring it back into ourselves so that we have it available to use in our daily lives. So you practice your self-pleasuring and breathing, and then you go do something. And for my, for me, I may or may not orgasm. It doesn't actually matter. As long as I'm breathing deeply, then I'm able to harvest and recirculate that sexual energy. So then for me, my main creative outlet is writing, but you can go and do anything with that energy. You can paint, you can garden, you can play with your children, you can attack another kind of work project that you have, anything that you like. All right, so here are my top five tools for being a well-fucked woman, even without a sexual partner. The first is harvesting your sexual energy. And I've touched on this already, the importance of consciously using this energy. And one of the best ways to do that is with my meditate, masturbate, create practice. And this is all about moving and recirculating the energy in the body so that you have it to use in your day-to-day life. Breathing is a huge part of that, a vehicle for moving the energy. And it's not just about this race to have an orgasm, you know, have a clitoral orgasm, I can bust one out in a couple of minutes. Like, no, the longer that we spend stimulating ourselves and breathing deeply, then we're cultivating more and more of this high quality energy. The longer you do it for, the more you harvest. And so the whole point is to build up even to your edge of orgasm and then breathe and breathe and breathe and then subside. Allow yourself to drop back a couple notches and then build up again, breathe and breathe and breathe and subside. And you keep repeating that. And that's how you truly harvest a lot of your sexual energy. So I had somebody last, was it last year or the year before, I guess I put out that this video self-pleasure 101 and I explained the meditate, masturbate, create sequence and then I issued a challenge to women to do a seven-day self-pleasuring challenge and somebody got in touch with me and the first time she practiced it, (laughs) so she did it the evening and then the next day she went out into town and she had men flocking to her. So one guy ran across the street to accost her to ask for her phone number. And another one later that afternoon approached her to tell her how beautiful she was. And she was wearing her sexual energy. So she had done the exercise right in the sense that she was able to then inhabit her sexual energy. It was radiating out of her so strongly that people picked up on it from, you know, yards and yards away the other side of the road, right? So this is really, really potent stuff. Now, if you are, again, being alone, you can choose to use just your hands, or if you like, you can try out my Anami Alchemia Holy Trinity Couture line of dildos, and they are designed to give you the deeper vaginal orgasms like the G-spot and cervical orgasms. Speaking of which, I would say that number two on the list of tools for being a well-fucked single woman would be having vaginal orgasms. So the vagina truly is the holy land. I say this all the time. And, you know, when I hear women say that they could take it or leave it when it comes to sex, it's usually because they've only ever had clitoral orgasms. And if you've heard me say the Anami guarantee is that all women can. A huge part of what I do is educating people about what's possible and then telling them how to get there. So I guarantee that every woman can get to each of these orgasms. So the deeper vaginal orgasms are so essential as good fuck medicine for women because this deep 
mind, body, spirit, vagina, cervix penetration is what we really need. This helps to dislodge old shit, old tension, old trauma, stored issues in the tissues, as Wim Hof says, stuff that's lodged and, you know, wedged within us, in our cells, memories, unresolved things, they stay there. And these deep, intense vaginal orgasms help to release them and process them and integrate them so that we emerge truly with la petite mort, right? The little death and rebirth. And that's the name of the game. Plenty of women have gone through my salons and had all kinds of sexual breakthroughs, a plethora of orgasms, and discovered all of their pleasure centers on their own. So here's a quote from Roshni, one of our one of my favorite all-stars, actually. I had 32 orgasms in a row by myself, and then eventually she did find manifesto partner, and then she says, and 60 orgasms in a five-hour sex session with a partner. I can now have a cervical orgasm from having my arms stroked and I'm able to think myself to orgasm too. Kim's work increased my vaginal arousal and sentience and was the catalyst for me having G-spot, A-spot, and cervical orgasms. All truly incredible and things I never thought were possible for me until Kim opened my eyes and vagina to them. So these are the kinds of things that you can take up in your single time. Third tool I would say is the most important <laughs> accessory a woman and vagina could have would be a jade yoni egg. So this is how we really wake up and activate the vagina. Most vaginas are numb. And so the true creative and magnetizing, receptive birthing power of the female reproductive organs aren't activated until we wake them up. And so most vaginas are numb. They're not being exercised properly. Women dissociate from the vagina due to a, lot, a number of reasons, any number of which could be trauma and unresolved stuff from their past, or just like I said, not exercising them when it's just like any other muscle in the body. So the vagina can and ought to be functioning as your mover and your shaker, and the egg can act as a lover when you're single. So this becomes your go-to place, and the egg itself has this beautiful symbolism as the seed, right? The manifesting seed. And so the way that I teach the jade egg is with a series of exercises and then guided visualizations to really tap into this harnessing the creative power of these organs and our sexual energy in general. And so we run the Vaginal Kung Fu Salon once a year in February. And if you are listening to this outside of that time, you can buy our jade egg kit with a mini salonette, which is a mini version of Vaginal Kung Fu through the Anami Alchemia online shop. And that's available anytime. So step number four would be clearing sexual blocks. So this is your time to heal and clean up the past for you to address any of your old unresolved traumas. What I would say happens to most of us, if not all of us over time, is that we to have a series of relationships and find that we tend to repeat some of the same patterns, usually in some form of self-sabotage, right? We go in these loops. And so this is an amazing time for assessment, honest self-assessment, right? Not looking at what your partner did to you and how you were victimized in any way, even if you were legitimately wronged. I don't care. <laughs> what I want you to examine is your part. How did you play into this formula? What do you have to take responsibility for? What can you clean up? And, you know, this ranges from behavior patterns to ideas and limiting beliefs that you have to internalized oppression, internalized collective cultural ideas like, say, the Madonna whore dichotomy that women tend to take on, right? Because we just grow up with it all over the place and it's in pretty much our creation story in Western culture. So all of these things have to be cleared and moved. At, well, they don't have to be fully resolved, but I would say getting a good grasp on them is going to then help you to release that stuff and up level, right? So like attracts like. And so as you do this work on yourself, 
you bring yourself up to a higher place and a higher vibration, and then you can attract a better quality partner. And so all of this work is leading to that place. And your vaginal orgasms actually act as therapy. They are massively cathartic. Often women have tears of release where they can't even associate what they're crying is related to, and it doesn't matter. They don't have to. They just need to go with the flow of the tears and the release, and they start to let go of stuff that they've been holding on to, right? The body and the vagina are beautifully wise that way and help you to clean up these things. So that is your work, is to address whatever you can identify as being there. And this is a major part of all of my salons is helping people to figure out what possible blocks could be there and then how to clear them in a very profound and quantum leap way. And then the fifth important piece I would say related to all of this is accepting it, meaning accepting that you're single right now and that's okay. And, you know, sometimes people will be in the state of real longing and self-pity and sadness that they're not in a relationship. And my view on that is, look, accept where you are and dig into the work. If you truly, truly settle into this space and just let it go for now and make loving and growing yourself and orgasming yourself and sexual self-reconnaissance as your main priority, you'll fall in love with you and then others can fall in love with you. And that might sound, sound a bit cliche, but it truly is. And I think that the thing that separates sexual self-love from, I don't know, self-love without it is that nobody else really has that. Very, very few people actually explore their sexual selves as a pathway for healing and self-realization and these higher levels of sex that I'm always talking about and all of my work is about cultivating. So by just accepting where you are, like with me, when I had that two and a half year period, I'd really let go of the idea of being with anybody. I was just content to work on myself because I knew, I knew if I got back into another relationship and I hadn't cleared these old things out, they would just come up again right? And so I was committed to resolving and moving myself to a certain place. Again, I didn't have a, I had some idea where I was going, but not fully. I was just confident that I would know when I got there. (laughs) And I did. (laughs) And then I immediately attracted some amazing people into my life. So this is the time to truly explore, like I said, let go of any expectation of me. If somebody comes along, great, you can check it out, but it's not a forefront of your mind. You connecting with you is the forefront of your mind and you connecting with your vagina and your body and your sexuality is the forefront of your mind and your genitals. So now I want to share with you one of the most amazing stories I have ever heard. Our well-fucked all-star this week is Charlotte. She took the well-fucked woman salon and vaginal kung fu, and she just finished up that round this year, like she began well-fucked woman last summer and then did vaginal kung fu in January, February. So she took these programs as a single and she threw herself into the work. And then earlier this year, shortly after Vaginal Kung Fu, she manifested the man of her dreams. And despite us being in the middle of the latest, greatest viral sensation and all of the tyrannical rules and restrictions that have been enacted, love found a way even when these two were living in different countries with border restrictions. So their story is incredible. Well fucked all stars. Welcome Charlotte. Hi Kim. All right. So I'm so excited to talk to you today because you and your story so exemplifies the idea of when we are single, we focus on doing our own deep personal work and we up-level ourselves to attract a excellent, high vibrationally matched partner. So tell us your story. All right. Well, It was about a year ago. I was in a really rough place. I'd had just a string of partners that hadn't worked out. And I had decided a couple years earlier to try and have a a baby on my own because I couldn't meet one, I meet a partner who wanted to do that with me. And so I finally had gotten pregnant and then had a stillbirth. And that was completely devastating. And 
I just found myself in this place of like, uh, I have to, I have to change something up. I have to do something different than what I've been doing. So I had saved some money and some time for maternity leave. And I decided to use that time and those resources um, to take the Wellfuck Women's Salon um, and really commit to uh, working on my shit. <laughs> and that's, um, that's what I've been, that, that's what I've been doing ever since then. And, uh, and that I also took um, vaginal Kung Fu and they were both really transformative and amazing. And I just took all sorts of risks this year in terms of putting energy into working on myself and um, looking really deeply at uh, how I had gotten off track. And you know, you know, when I decided to have a baby on my own, it was because I thought, I guess I just, I'm just not going to meet someone. So mm -hmm. I just got to, I guess I got to do it on my own. And I had just um, programmed that into my mind that that was just not, I was just, wasn't, I don't know, wasn't going to happen. And then, and then when I had this devastating loss, I thought maybe this loss was to teach me that I can have a partner and a child. Um, maybe this loss is to teach me that I need to get back on track with myself and, and do some more personal growth work so that I'm really at my optimal self. Um, so that's what I did. And then, uh, this thing happened where the world went into their homes and, um, I thought, oh, great. How the hell am I going <laughs> to make of my dreams now and but it also became really obvious to me that uh it wasn't gonna happen if i didn't freaking do anything if i sat at home um so i had this giddy thought that wouldn't it be a good story if i attracted manifested whatever the man of my dreams like a really amazing a man during these circumstances of whatever you want to call it. Love in the and time it, of COVID. That's right. Yeah. So this giddy little thought of like this little corner of my brain that believed that this might be possible, just sort of wedged more and more open. Um, as I, I just took some leaps of faith. I took some big risks. I had been off online dating you know, thinking, oh, that's just so boring and tedious. And I just thought, okay, on this date, I'm going back on, I'm going to be super upfront about what I want and what I'm looking for. I'm going to post, you know, a few hot pictures of me, and then I'm going to go off a week later. And if like nothing happens, fine. And if something happens, great. And of course, like three days later, I get this message on this guy and we start texting and just it just starts the ball starts rolling and we're just hitting it off and it's amazing and then we're calling each other and then we're videoing each other and he's a yankee and i'm in canada and the borders are closed so i'm falling in love i'm like this this is like i know it i know i know i know this is the person so about three weeks in i'm like i have an idea that we um like because we were desperate to meet each other in person. And uh, I said, I have an idea that we could like meet up on a river somewhere. The first time we talked on the phone, within five minutes, I was telling him about vaginal Kung Fu <laughs> and the different sections of my, my vagina. Cause I had sent him, <laughs> I had sent him this, like I took, a, I took a, a risk and I sent him a link to your podcast on Tantra, on Tantric Sex. Um, like within two days of texting him, I sent him yeah. a link to this. I just thought like either he's going to be into it and that'll be great, or he's going to be weirded out and I'll know that, yeah. you know, I need to find someone else. Yeah. And so he was like super into it. And he even then went and listened to a ton of other of your podcasts, including conscious monogamy, which has been like a, like just a really, um, an anchor for us, um, through, throughout it all. So, so that was a, a, an amazing sign. So we, we started talking about sex like really, really early on. And obviously we weren't in the same country and the borders were closed. So we weren't 
meeting together physically, but we started talking about sex and we started developing these rituals, um, daily rituals where uh, we would sit in silence together on the phone. So we would just meditate together on the phone every day for 10, 15 minutes. That was like really profound in terms of um, an energetic connection. And, you know, at the beginning of a relationship, there's often this like question of like, when are we gonna sleep together first? But that wasn't really there. So we had, um, yeah, this like really beautiful opportunity to get to know each other um, on an emotional level first. And I think sometimes like people jump into sex before the emotional connection is really strong and Mm -hmm. that can, that can lead to, you know, some um, turbulence maybe. Um, But so we developed these rituals like sitting in silence. We found this little um, Tibetan book on love where each page is just a little paragraph about how to love. Um, And so every night we would, we read, we still do um, read a page. We alternate, he went out and got the book immediately. So we'd each have a copy and we take turns reading to each other every night from that. what else we do uh, eyeballs so we turn on FaceTime and we we just look into each other's eyeballs for a period of time and that's really hot like incredibly hot considering it's like just this technology it's still mm. like really um, revealing and it can bring up a lot of emotion like love and um, tenderness and and truth really um, and then I talked to you, Cam, for some more suggestions, and we put those into play. So we started playing with breathing together um, over time. Um, we started putting in this practice of where I would direct energy right. to one part of his body. And for like, we would set the timer for two minutes or something. And I would just consciously direct my like sexual energy (laughs) towards one part of his body. And then we would flip and he would do the same to me. And we still do this um, on occasion. This is really fun. And then we, we, you know, talk about our experience receiving and our experience giving. And it's uncanny how connected we are where I'll be like, yeah, I really felt sort of tingly in my neck. And then he'll be like, yeah, I was like really focused on your neck. Right. Um, Yes. Energy sex, energy movement. Yeah. So we've just gotten super creative about how to connect sexually, emotionally, um, yeah, intellectually, all the ways. And it's it's been a massive gift, honestly. Um, And the whole like COVID thing kind of made it even more magical because we felt like, you know, there was this quote unquote, like, limitation but we were busting through it so that that really strengthened our uh connection and our love and our commitment to each other as well and the thing about this guy which is just constantly blowing my mind is how into me he is and i've had guys who had like been into me for a while and like but they're not they're not really invested in growth personal growth for themselves and relationship growth. And this guy is invested in both of those things. And it's such a relief and such a, yeah, such a gift to have, to be with someone who is as invested as I am and who has done his own work as well. So I've like been really on a road of personal growth work um, since last year, really like full-time following my bliss and also committing to just you know, doing all the work I can on, on my growth, um, in all, all the realms of my life. Um, so, and he's had a similar journey. So it's like been this confluence of energy where we're just now we can like take that, that work that we've done on ourselves and also pour it into work on our relationship together through, you know, communication and creativity and, yeah, emotions and yeah, it's been amazing. So that's that's like the first, you know, five weeks of our relationship was developing those um, rituals, those practices, those um, tools, using those tools to um, 
have a really fulfilling relationship, um, even though we were, you know, 400 miles apart. Yeah. And that's, those are such great examples of your creativity and commitment to do whatever you could, right? To not let certain quote, as you say, quote unquote, limitations to stop you. And also great examples of both of you doing your work and up-leveling to get to this place of liking, like attracts like, to find another person at that vibration who's committed and doing the work and has done enough of their own shit clearing in themselves to you leave some of that stuff behind and then attract at a higher vibration. So excellent stuff. So what happened next? Okay. Well, let me tell you, we, um, we, we hatched this plan to meet up in person on the water because, um, if you don't anchor or dock, it's okay for you to be in international waters. We had this plan to meet up on kayaks, but then we saw like two days before that, we saw that there was this other river that was super narrow, but had really fast waters um, where the border went along the middle of the river. So we each drove several hours on a whim that same day when we discovered that map, that place on the map. Um, We grabbed a pair of binoculars. We each drove several hours to this river and we stood, it was probably about you know, a football field apart from each other um, on the edges of the river with our binoculars. And that was the very first time we saw each other in person. (laughs) Two little specks off in the distance. Yes, totally. And like he had a white dog with him so I could like make, you know, I could be sure it was him. And and, um, yeah, we stayed there for three hours because we were just so hungry for each other. And just to be in each other's presence like that close was so gratifying. And it felt like epically romantic. And, you know, I he heard my voice live for the first time because uh. I called across the river to him. <laughs> and like, you know, we had been doing this thing with the, the FaceTime looking at each other's eyeballs. So we, he calls them eyeballs. Eyes, I love it. I call them eyes, whatever he says. Um, so we've been looking at each other's eyeballs. So we did that on the edges of the river. And normally like he's got his bird noises in his part of the world. And I've got my bird noises or outdoor noises in my part of the world, but we had the same ones and the same noises because we were in the same place and that's, you know, the same birds were going by in our background and stuff. So that was really special. And yeah, we got a kind of silly and he like showed me his bum and stood on a picnic table and like (laughs) danced around it. And I took my top off like, you know, we could just got silly. (laughs) Um, Cause yeah, we were like that. And it was just like, it was hilarious and beautiful. And we called like in like a Shakespearean way, we just like called, I love you across the river. And it was, it was magical and it was like, 100% 100% worth the, the five hours of driving that I did for the three-hour date of being like a football field across right, from him. Right. And, also, and also it was really reassuring that he did the same thing and felt the same way. Like that, yeah. that this partner that I've attracted is the, a great match for me because he is into the same kind of epic adventurous you know breaking the the limitations and as i am like breaking through limitations and not letting not letting um you know anyone dictate what we can or can't do and you guys took your first selfie together too we did yeah we took our first (laughs) selfie where he's like a tiny tiny little he had a red (laughs) t-shirt on tiny red spot in the background like you, you have to like zoom in and like yeah it's hilarious. Yeah, that was our first selfie. Yeah. I love it. And then so that it was gets two better. days before. Yeah. Yeah, it gets better. So that was two days before where we just couldn't wait the two days to, you know, um, meet on in our kayaks. So we did this little river thing. And then so the next day was the day before we were supposed to meet in kayaks. And I totally had a flip out panic attack where I totally went backwards and was like, this is a bad idea. Like, we're going to get caught. I'm going to get put in jail. Like you're never going to be allowed to come to Canada. He had already decided that he wanted to move to Canada to be with me, which is just fucking amazing. And so I got super nervous. So your idea was to meet in international waters so that you would be not in violation of any. That's correct. Yes. So you're going to yeah, kayak out there was... to this place. 
It was an international yeah, we're gonna, waters. We're going to kayak from two, from one, he was going to kayak from his country and I was going to kayak from my country and we're going to meet in international waters in our kayaks and be able to touch each other. That was the plan. And I had this little flip out the day before where I was like really uptight and I said like, do not, I said to him, do not pressure me to like pull over onto an island. Just don't because I don't, I want to enjoy this. <laughs> I was like really kind of anal about it. Like I want to enjoy this meeting. I don't want to be worried and la la la. And I knew because I'd done the research that as long as we didn't anchor or dock, we were, we were fine. Right. Um, so, but then the next morning, the day of, I was just like, I took a freezing cold shower just to rock me out of that, um, you know, limited thinking. Um, and I started again, just like wedging open my mind to the possibility that this, it, this thing that we we're going to do is possible and it was going to be amazing. Um, and I really believe in that, um, you know, I, that cliche of like anything is possible or everything is possible. I actually painted it on my bedroom wall in big letters that in French to possible, and it's been my kind of mantra. Um, but that if there's a corner of your brain that believes that something is possible, if like 99% of your brain thinks you're going to die an old maid, but there's 1% of your brain that believes that finding true love or an amazing partner is possible, then it's possible. So you just got to work on making that wedging that, that bigger, that, yeah. that 1% bigger. So that's what I, that's what I, um, focused on that day as I drove there and there was a, a couple of good signs from the universe um, as before I even got to the kayak place. I, I stopped at a gas station and it had a big sign on the bathroom that it was closed, you know, due to COVID or whatever. And I really had to pee. So I kind of looked at the guy behind the desk and I was like, is it really closed? And he said, nah, nah, go in. And so I took that as a sign, like, just because right. there's a big sign. Right. Yeah. Um, so I was like, okay, good. Like the universe is on my side. The universe is telling me that like, um, just because it says something says it's not possible. It doesn't mean it's not possible. Bathroom's still there. Still the door still opens. Yeah. Like you just gotta believe that it's possible and it can be. So there was that. And then uh, when I got to the kayak place they were I needed to fill my water bottle and they they the two staff people kind of looked at each other I asked them if they could fill it because I didn't see a fountain anywhere and they said oh we're not supposed to do that anymore because of COVID and I was like okay well is there can you recommend like a water fountain nearby or and then they kind of looked at each other and they're like oh you know what just give it to me and they went and filled my water bottle so again I was like yeah. there's rules and then there's like there's something else <laughs> And I think the something else is this like universal law and, and of, of possibility of infinite possibility. And I think what was driving my capacity for that, that day was this love that I had for this person and this confidence that I had in um, our love and our ability to, to do anything, um, including meet on international waters and kayaks. Yeah. So, um, so I got into my little kayak and, um, I started paddling, I paddled for about an hour and a half and he That's got into paddle. his and I, wow. yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, big paddle. Um, and not as big as his though, he had to cross a shipping channel in like, in, in his little kayak where these like massive oh. ocean liners were going through. So we had this plan where I was going to kayak to the like southernmost Canadian island. And then he was going to kayak to the northernmost American island. Then we're going to meet in between. Yeah. And so I got to the Canadian island and I, I, the plan was I was going to call him when I got there. So I called him and he was still crossing the shipping channel because there was like white caps and wind and craziness. And I was like, so I, I changed my mind about like, you know, crossing the border. I'm just a little nervous. I think I'm just going to have a little snack here on the island and you can just come to me in Canadian waters. Right. Yeah. And he was like, hold on a sec, honey. I just, uh, just a lot, a lot of wit. Hold on. Just hold on. Uh, and he was like in the midst of the, <laughs> the ship. <laughs> and then, uh, it's like so I'm dodging an oil that, tanker. Like, just give me a sec. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so I was like, when I heard that, that like he was like dodging an oil tanker to like, <laughs> be with me and 
and he had like a like a much longer paddle than I did to get to where we were going to meet. Um, I pretended like I didn't say the thing that I had said originally and was just like, yep, I'm on my way. I'm going to cross now. Yeah. So I got back in my kayak and I was really nervous because, you know, there's the border there in the water. And I saw this like jet skier pull up to the border and kind of look both ways and cross. And (laughs) and I knew because like I knew that it was okay if I didn't anchor. So I just like, you know, I was in my little bikini and I looked like a tourist, you know, like a dumb tourist with a little hat on. And uh, (laughs) and I just thought, okay, I'm just going to go for it. I'm just going to. I'm just going to kayak across the international border right now. I'm just going to do it. I'm just going to keep doing it. And um, so I just did my little kayak across the border. And I heard this little sound that sounded kind of like a mini helicopter or a boat in the distance. And I looked around and there was no boat. So it's a freaking uh, drone. Wow. Yeah. And so I was just like, stay calm. Like, just believe it can happen. Just like, it's happening. It's all good. Like, and even the other thing that helped me was like, no matter what happens, I'll be okay. You know, anything happens, I'll be fine. And I really had to kind of embrace that. Um, and all the, all the personal growth work that I had done, including your two salons, like gave me that confidence in that moment to just keep going. So I kept going. And after a little while, I saw in the very far distance, this solo kayaker rounding the bend of the island that was on my left. And my heart started racing. I thought, is it him? It could be anybody, it could be another kayaker out. But he was like, this kayaker was going so fast, straight at me. <laughs> and so I was, like, <laughs> I was like, I think it's him. I think it's him. And like, we had been talking and, and like, and on in text every day, all day, we'd been talking on the phone. We'd been having sex on the phone, on video. Like we knew each other well. And still I was just like, just like, just so, so overwhelmingly excited. And he was coming straight for me. And I kept sort of doing a little bikini girl paddle towards him. And obviously it was him and he came straight his kayak nose to nose came straight to me and then pulled up right next to me and he just like threw his arms around me and just planted his lips right on mine and we made out and the kayaks because of the the force of us coming from different directions started to spin (laughs) so we were like kissing and our our two kayaks were spinning like a freaking movie and it was like just it was epic it was out of this world um so that's the first time that we touched yeah and and it was like the the pleasure of that plus the giddiness of us doing what we were doing that just amped everything up and then it was like he had strapped this inflatable paddleboard to the back of his kayak so that he could put it between us so we could, as he said, like oh eat our snack. Really, really he meant so we could both get on it and like be in, on the same boat at least. Um, so, so yeah, anyway, we were enjoying each other's company and uh, a storm came up, like a thunderstorm started rolling in and the kayak rental place called me and was like, where are you? And then I was like, I don't know. <laughs> Somewhere in the islands. And so uh, they're like, start paddling back now. And I had just like half an hour met him. I was like, no, I think I'll just wait it out. I'll just pull over into an island. Anyway, so the storm came up and he, um, I, I decided that I, if, if we got, you know, storm stayed somewhere, I'd prefer to be um, in my country. Um, so he agreed to accompany me to across the channel to the um, Canadian island where um, I had originally called him from. And the storm came up and it was intense. Like there was lightning and thunder and white caps. And because he had this freaking paddleboard strapped to the back of his kayak, he was getting blown out away from me. Uh. And I kept looking over and like sometimes he would be behind a wave so I couldn't see him. And I knew that he would be worried about me a little bit. I'm a very strong kayaker, but 
you know, it was a, a very intense moment and I didn't have a skirt in my kayak. So there was water coming in and uh, it, it was frightening. But I remember the exact moment where I just thought, Charlotte, um, you have to stay calm or else this isn't going to end well. So I've just narrowed in my focus to my third eye and to the point where I was going um, on the island. And I just dug in and you know, I'm sure adrenaline helped me. And I had this faith that we were going to make it. And it was so symbolic of, um, you know, our relationship and how there are going to be storms and, you know, uh, challenges in relationship, but we need to hold true to our own um, uh, path and our capabilities, you know, have confidence in our own capabilities and trust that the other person is taking care of themselves as well, because, you know, I couldn't worry all about him and he couldn't worry all about me because we had to ourselves and when we were about 100 meters out from the island and I knew that we were going to be okay I looked over at him and like flashed him a big smile and did a big like whoop whoop so that he knew that I was all good and um it was it was amazing and we we were fine we pulled into the island then of course we were all um wet and cold so we had to deal with that um how did you deal with it Charlotte well, you know, Kim, like when you're wet, it, like it doesn't help to have clothes on. Um, oh, yeah. So yeah, we had to that. take them off just for, for practical purposes, right? Uh-huh. So we didn't get hypothermia. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, yeah, it was it was amazing. And then um, and then the next morning we met up again. We met up again um, on the same island and had a beautiful experience together. And again, we're just like so high on life because we had made this thing happen despite all these quote unquote limitations of the time. And the story doesn't end there because after we got back from our kayak trip and we're more in love than ever, we of course want to see each other again. Um, So one day he just got in his truck and started driving to the border thinking like, I'm just going to convince them that they have to let me in. And he called the American side of the border and told them our story. And the American guard was like, yeah, dude, man, that's an amazing story. Like, I'll let you back in if you get across. I'll put you through a direct line to the Canadian guy. What? And so, yeah. So he he put him through the, the, to the Canadian guy. But, of course, the Canadian guy listened to him for, like, five seconds and then just hung up on him. What? The, yeah. Aww. Yeah, so he didn't get in, and we were we we're a bit discouraged that day. That was the one day we were, we were a little bit discouraged, but it just propelled us even more to um, seek out other possibilities. So I started doing some research and um, about these border closures, and I learned that actually Americans can't come to Canada, and Canadians can't drive to America, but Canadians can fly to America right now. And I, I found an article about a woman um, on the West Coast who, I don't know, it was her fiance or something. And she just bought an airplane ticket and went to the airport. And yeah, the Americans just let her in. And I was like, okay, is this for real? And then the next day, so I told him about it. He's like, well, buy a ticket. So that night we bought it and we bought <laughs> myself an airplane ticket. And um, the next day, my dad sent me an article from the national newspaper saying that there, yeah, indeed, there is this loophole that no one really knows about because no one's really talking about it, um, where Canadians can fly to the States. So I got on a plane like three days later and stayed with him for two weeks Whoa. after only met him for like that, those two kayak times, like I'd never slept over with him. And all of a sudden I was in his home for two weeks and it was amazing. And again, it was just like, I was, we were so um, bolstered by the, what we were doing and that we were making these things, we making this magic happen and the seemingly miracles happen because we believed it was possible. And we weren't, we weren't um, uh, allowing ourselves to be um, uh, constrained by the popular narrative. Um, And so that has been like, it's been a huge part of, um, our story and also um, just like our love, like how we're both on the same page in that department that we, we, we can make anything happen if we want to. Um, so that's, 
that's the story. That is one of the my most favorite stories I think I've ever heard, Charlotte, really. It's incredible. And oh, just such great and so many beautiful themes within it, like you guys, you know, working on yourselves. I know the work that you've done, obviously, in the salons. And then this notion, like staying focused on the goal, like you're the microcosm of you seeing the island and just knowing that, you know, that's where you need to get to and focusing on it and it happens. And I think also testament to love is the highest vibration, right? And so when we're coming from that place and genuinely in it, it gives, it does give us these superpowers to blast through seeming limitations, right? There's earthly laws and there's spiritual laws and the law of love and higher spiritual laws transcend earthly laws. And I mean, that might not always be arguable in a court of law, but I think on, on at least energetic wavelengths, that's definitely the truth. And I think your story just so exemplifies that. Yeah. And the, and people pick up on that vibration too, right? Like the gas station guy yeah. and the people guy. And one other little bit of the story that I forgot to tell was when we went to the the river, the first river, the first time with our binoculars, I was so excited to see him. I stopped at the scenic lookout and I locked my keys in my car. And luckily I had my phone and I called whatever the people who help you get your keys out. And um, they said it was going to be an hour. And I said, listen, this is my story this is what I'm doing right now. And I told them the love story and the lady was like, yeah, they'll be there in 15 minutes. Oh my gosh. <laughs> like oh. 15 minutes later, I, I was like in my car again and driving to a spot that was closer in the river so I could see him better. And so, yeah, it's just like when you're in that vibration of, of love and possibility, people are attracted to that and they go with it. They just, miracles happen. Yeah. <sighs> Amazing. I I totally agree. And I think people forget that or they've never really experienced it. And so it's hard for them to believe that. Right. And so that's why being able to share things like this really helps people to have faith that it's possible and that that is such a powerful vibration. I mean, that's what I talk about all the time, this idea of your sexual superpowers, right? That when you link up sexual energy and love energy together, you have this incredible source that's a hundredfold even more strong than the two of them separately. And that's the stuff that really does. It's the creative energy of the universe. And there it is propelling you into new realities. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So is there anything else you would share relating to your journey, like say working through stuff in the salon or working through your own process of clearing blockages that you think is relevant to this? So for people who are in that place of let's say somebody is single and wanting to believe that they can create new love. And so the work that you did, how would you say that that was instrumental in opening you and clearing space for something like this to come into your life? Yeah. I think when you commit, when one commits to themselves to, um, to growth, it sends a message. It sends a vibrational message um, to the universe and stuff starts to happen. Like stuff starts to shift, but you do have to commit. You do have to do the work. So you can't just believe, you know, 1% of you believe it's going to happen and sit on your couch and not do anything. Um, and yeah, sometimes like for me, for, for my journey, the, the turning point was a great loss and a great tragedy. And that, really made me go, okay, what, what do I need to do here so that I am more on track? So I think, um, like it's so important to look at everything and to realize that everything is an opportunity. Everything is a gift. So even if you have, you know, beliefs around your age or your body or, your um, some past trauma that that is actually not a limitation. It's the key in to growth. It's the it's it's the doorway. Um, so I think it's yeah. For me, it was really about 
um, about taking the situation that I was in and making it into uh, what I wanted it to be through doing through doing the work and putting the time in and like not always feeling like it was going well, but just keep 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 on showing up. I just kept on showing up and kept on um, kept on going and it didn't happen immediately. But um, when it did happen, it felt like it happened so fast and everything like with meeting um, my partner, it, it just all of a sudden everything started ramping up so fast. And then I thought, OK, so all this work I've been putting in is now paying off. And there's a wonderful image about the way that bamboo grows. Do you know about this one, Kim? I don't think I've heard this analogy. OK, I think it's called I think it's. Chinese bamboo or something. But so when you have this bamboo, um, you know, you water it and you tend to it and it grows in a year, it maybe grows like an inch. And then the next year you water it, you tend to it and it grows another inch. In the third year you water it, you tend to it, it grows another inch. Same thing in the fourth year. In the fifth year, it grows 80 feet. This is what? this one kind of plant. And so I love this analogy because when you're putting the work in, you might not see the benefits right away, but the roots are going down and the energy is building so that you can have this 80 feet of growth in an, in an instant almost um, at, at some point. So that, that image is really helpful for me when I'm feeling like things aren't moving as quickly as I want them to. But I really experienced that in this past year where I put the work in and I put the work in and I started to feel little bits of growth here and there, but you know, still wasn't meeting anyone, kept putting the work in. And then all of a sudden the 80 feet happen and you know, I'm off to the races and life is amazing. And I feel high all the time, even though I'm sober. <laughs> That's such a great, great metaphor. Is there anything else you'd like to share in closing? Um, I can't think of anything off the top of my head. Um, oh, uh, yeah, this is just a funny little thing. So my partner, his name is Robert. He's a dream. And he, he's like, um, he's like beyond my wildest dreams. He's like, if you had told me that this is the person that I was going to meet, like, I would be like, no way. Like a couple years ago, I'd be like, impossible. He's like a lumberjack and a forest firefighter. He's so manly. Mm. Uh, and I really learned to embrace my femininity too through your salons. I used to be that type of like, I'm a theater director. So I had been programmed to be like kind of masculine in my way. And, and the salons have really helped me find my femininity. So I've attracted a really masculine man, which, which is like my dream. But I wasn't doing that before because I was not in my femininity. Um, Anyway, he's he's like obsessed with you too, and we want to do your couple salon, and uh, he wants to do. I think he wants to do sexual mastery for men too. Although he thinks it should be called cockrate, like vaginal kung fu. Cockrate. <laughs> oh my gosh, I love that. Yeah. Ooh. Um, uh, I was saying he said cockrate, but I thought uh, cockrate. I thought would be better, but whatever. Kakarate. Uh, and yeah, like I told you before, he calls you edamame just for fun. Um, so just yeah, shout out to him because he's been so supportive of my work with you and also like really open to your work and your, your podcasts and everything. And, that, you know, I think a lot of women think we're, maybe this is just my own projection, but um, a lot of women may think that oh, my man would never like be into this. But there are there are men out there who are like totally into, I mean, you know, you, you work with them. But um, yeah, like when I brought up Tantra and, and the fact that I had done VKF uh, when I met him, because I had just finished VKF like two weeks before I met him. So I'm mm. sure that had an, right. an, an effect as well. I brought it up right away and he was like, fuck yeah. <laughs> that sounds amazing. <laughs> Like you, you, you worked on your vagina, like you've taken an eight week course about vaginas, like, yes, bring it on. Of course I want, I want that. So yeah, that's, I guess that's the last thing that I would say to anyone out there who's like single and, you know, maybe losing a little bit of faith in their, um, 
potential to attract an amazing mate. Like it, it is possible. And those amazing men are out there. And if you think that they aren't, then they aren't. Yeah. But if you think they are, they are. Yeah. And that the universe can put together some incredible composition. That's just an amazing match for you right? Like everything is possible. And even your example, like he found this ultra masculine man, right? Like very kind of stereotypical, but in a good way, type masculinity, who's also then into listening to these podcasts and doing tantric eye gazing exercises, right? Like they have this beautiful blend of all these things. So everything is possible. Everything is possible. Oh, so good. All right. Well, let's end on that note. Thank you so much, Charlotte, for sharing your story and just being able to be, like I've said, that beacon, that example for people of what's possible out there and go from one type or one mindset in your life and completely radically change that and manifest and create the life of your dreams. So well done, Charlotte. Thank you, Kim. And thank you for all of your help and guidance and support along the way. How wild is that story? Everything about it, their creativity and finding ways to connect and their courage and how they did that and all of these beautiful spiritual universal affirmations along the way, it's all so inspirational. So Charlotte is an amazing testament to how doing the work of good fucking yourself (laughs) up levels you into a higher vibration where, as I said, you can then attract a higher quality partner who can meet you where you want to be and talk about meeting you, right? Look at how they met each other all over the place and then grow together. The Well-Fucked Woman Salon begins today. All the tools you need for a lifetime of being well-fucked. You can find the registration page at my website, kimanami.com. Look under Sexual Savant Salons and then look for the Well-Fucked Woman. In this eight-week How to Live, Love, and Orgasm in a Female Body education you never received, you will learn how to master the technical skills of oral sex, deep-throating, anal sex, and wild hand jobs, and how to use these sex acts to accelerate your personal growth and transformation. You will also achieve the deeper life-changing vaginal orgasms, channel your creative orgasmic sexual energy into your life and work, accessing your genius, and clear your sexual blocks and release your unprocessed weight, and much, much more. Come one, come all. Thank you so much for listening. If you haven't already, subscribe and also leave a review and send someone else the gift of a healthy libido and an off the charts love life by sharing this episode with them. We'll be back next week. And in the meantime, many happy orgasms.